0: Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And we are here every time to warn the nation from a biblical perspective and to help you respond in faith. We want to make a difference. We need to be salt and light in the world, as Jesus put it. And so that's why we're here. And today we're talking about who can we trust? I know talking to a variety of people, it's like, can I trust anyone? How do I know who to believe? It seems like uh, not only is there animosity, Uh, between people on all kinds of issues. But at the end of the day, it seems like there's agendas and things pushing and vying for us. And so who can we trust? This is huge in terms of the day and hour we're living in, and especially as I think of shakings in our nation now, probably greater shakings ahead. We need to sort this out. And to help me do that today are two good friends. And they are first, Laura Smith. Welcome, Laura.
1: Thanks, Dave. It's nice to be here. and See you.
0: And I just want to remind everybody that we've had Laura on a few times over the last couple of years. Always insightful, helpful, helps us connect all kinds of dots of what's going on in America and the world and the scriptures and, and trying to help us see these things. And then also we have David Smithers. Welcome, David.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave.
0: Yeah, so this is David's second time. Um, some people might remember you from a few weeks ago when you uh, were on the podcast that we did, uh, "The Coming Chaos," and and really, or the full title was "Shelter in the Coming Chaos," and that was one of our most viewed. Uh, a podcast at YouTube. So, anyway, glad to have you back, David. And uh, let's just jump in here today. So, let's start talking about this. But, but first, before we get to the solution side, and I think today will be a lot of responding in faith uh, on the practical moving forward side um, instead of the warning side. However, before we get that, we got to discern stuff that are, is going on in our world, in our nation. What things come to mind in terms of eroding our trust? Or, or our trust has been undermined by whatever. But what kinds of things, examples, do we have of that actually actually happening?
1: I think one of the, the things for me is the the information that you know we're hearing from the media. You know, when we're turning on the news, are we actually getting news? I I don't see that anymore. I think it's mostly commentary and opinion, and um, you know, it's kind of gone from. Being maybe a little off the the actual facts of what happened into complete opinion, and um, if you watch a story covered on one channel and switch to the next and switch to the next, and read a couple of newspapers, you're going to get tremendously different accounts of the same event. And so it's very easy to look at something like that and go, "Okay, well, what's the, what's the true version? What actually really happened?" Because everything is is filtered these days through the the prism of our opinion. And it's tough to have the, the, you know, trust in what you're hearing in, in, in the media these days.
0: Right. So, so what we've noticed is a huge shift from an attempt to find facts and report the facts wherever they lead us to actually what they call now is just follow the narrative so an, a narrative a story has been it's, it's got to fit into this story so now we start taking facts and either dismissing facts that disagree with that narrative or trying to maneuver massage those quote unquote facts so that they do fit, fit the narrative and I think this is a huge thing that's going on uh, I mean I, I as well I see it all the time um, D- David did you have uh, an example of what's you know eroding your trust
2: No, I I totally agree. I mean, the social media, all the news sources are, I just think there's a a great amount of, you know, skepticism and, and mistrust these days. And um, I, I especially see it when listening to the younger generation, but even among older folks, um, a lot of confusion a lot of frustration um, a lot of suspicion because of the what we I think what most would agree are really unreliable sources these days or hidden agendas or whatnot you know I mean I uh, I think a lot of us have stepped back and just aren't sure what to believe what to think what's really the whole story
1: yeah one other thing though Dave is like the um, the, the news twisting, distorting, you know, um, facts to fit a narrative, but, and that's been going on for a while. It feels like it's gotten a lot worse, but then the next thing that we've been seeing is, is outright censoring of opinions that don't fit the narrative. Yeah. You know, your voice is completely shut off and you're cut off and ostracized and people have lost jobs because they don't agree or um, they've posted something on Facebook that their employer didn't, you know, didn't like. And I I mean, like, you know, it's just really kind of um, scary to see all of that going on. So if you don't if you don't agree, you're you know, you're going to face some consequences. Uh, That's a new thing. And so, you know, you, you can't you you can't even you can't even say what you think necessarily so unless it unless it agrees
0: right you know we did a podcast earlier in twenty twenty two called why Christians must fight for free speech and it was related to the very thing that you're talking about here um that that it's so centrally American, even in our Constitution with the First Amendment, that everybody has a voice, everybody should be allowed to speak out, and then you weigh it, each person weighs it for themselves, not... Um, not what we're embracing right now. And we literally are embracing it. It's not just that it's happened, but we're actually, I believe, a a significant demographic in America believes that censorship is okay. And they keep saying that if we don't do this, we'll have disinformation or misinformation. The problem is, is I think a lot of people that have the truth on various topics are not being allowed to speak or are deplatformed from social media, essentially censored. And this is... uh, this is, is a huge uh, issue and we're not going to, you know, obviously get focused into the the specifics here today, but, but just point well taken.
1: So not only do you, you know, are you getting, you know, hearing stories that are not necessarily true, but when you try and correct it, you are being cut out, you know, so there's no way to even um, give voice to a, a dissenting opinion because there's, you know, we're being funneled into one way of thinking and viewing mm-hmm. the world, and um, and we're going along with it. And so, you know, uh, the politicians that we elect, we you know they'll, they'll tell us that they're going to stand up, they're going to do things, they're going to you know make changes. And then invariably, they get into office and like, what happened? You know, they they just kind of roll right over, and um, and mm-hmm. and we don't get the change that we were looking yeah, for. They they, ca- they
0: cave in. It's like well, we, we elected you for a purpose here, <laughs> you right, right. you're not. Actually, I think some of this falls on us. We need to hold our representatives accountable. Like they need to hear from us. Maybe hearing from from us who voted for that person more would help. But um, David, any thoughts on that?
2: No, i I agree. you know, I wish I guess I wish this was the only place we were struggling with um, you know you know, just wrestling with understanding. What what's being spoken to us is it reliable? Is it trustworthy? But I, I I see in many ways that we are we're having the same issues even within the church narrative, you know, and even what things that are being shared as God's word or uh, things that are predicted for the future of our nation or our culture and society. Um, I think there's a lot of skepticism about what's coming out of the church as much as there is what's coming out of secular society so that's doubly disturbing you know if you don't you know i just think it's leaving some people with just their heads spinning a lot of people about what is happening what is what is the truth what is god saying uh what is going to happen in the future without a lot of good places to get good answers you know so
0: well with that you know the it's like in the book of Jeremiah where it says the people are saying peace and safety or the prophets are saying peace and safety when there is no peace and peace and safety. And and there's a, a superficial addressing of the wound rather than getting to the root issue of why the wound is there and seeing true healing. And I'm just like, uh, perplexed would be the word. I think it just in terms of why do these people keep talking about sunny days ahead when, uh, nations that behave the way america is behaving um they're not blessed with revival they're actually severely judged when you look at what america's done over decades now um you know and yet we hear these voices and to me it sounds they might not use that phrase but it sounds to me like peace and safety when there is no peace yeah. um you know peace peace is is uh is there a good times are ahead or whatever so i think there is a a skepticism from those voices, I want to I wanna add one, and that would be that so many times when I'm in churches, I, I feel like what's being said from up front, whether it's the tone or the actual sermon or whatever, but it's just to make sure that people come back next Sunday, that they leave with a good feeling, mm. and it's because we got to have everybody back, and it's like, wow, we do not see that with Paul's preaching or Jesus' preaching or what the what the epistles talk about or any other book in the the Bible. It's like, we're supposed to be about what is God saying? What's the truth here? Not what feels good. So the people come back and there's something really off here. And I think that also has undermined our trust within the church.
2: Yeah. Amen. And, and, you know, there's, then there's not much accountability anywhere about what, what's being shared. What is the truth? And without accountability, you lose credibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's going on, like we said, outside the church, but also inside the church. Even when some of, you know, big predictions are made about what's supposed to happen in the future of our nation, when people obviously miss these, um, miss it on what they say is going to happen, then there seems to be little to none uh, accountability on the issue. So, that's, that leaves you also really, you know, kind of jaded, potentially, you know, tempted to be frustrated with, wow, where do we go? What is God saying? And, and I, I guess maybe, you know, when I was reflecting on this earlier today, I guess maybe the Lord may be using this all for our good to actually crowd us back to himself, and just reminding us that, We shouldn't put our trust in men, whether outside the church or inside the church, and we need to get, you know, he's kind of pulling all the props out from underneath us, so we'll learn how to trust him again, amen, and there's a crisis of that.
0: Right, look up and not looking for information from certain news outlets or even sometimes within the church. However, I do believe there is good guidance from within the church at times. And yeah. we need to not lose, you know, faith in that when we are hearing God's true for sure. for word sure. and voice coming out of the church. So
1: yeah, I you know I couldn't agree with what you're saying, David more because you know there were so many words that came forward, especially around the last election, and um, and you know it's really it feels like the dominant view in, in America, in the church today, that everything's going to be wonderful. You know, uh, you know, we're just going to keep getting, keep being blessed and, and they don't want to hear. So they're listening to the word. We're listening to the word we want to hear, not the word we need to hear. And there really isn't, you know, there, there's a, ironically a little bit of censorship among us because we, we gravitate. We don't really, want to hear that word. So we don't give it room to even uh, be uttered. You know, it's, it's just, you know, if if you try, you know, so, so I think that many people are going to be caught by surprise. They're not going to be ready for what's coming. Um, They're going to be blindsided and, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, possibly the great falling away where, you know, people have become so expect that the expectation is set that it's just going to be more blessing, better, you know, um, we're just going to come through this, and God's just going to keep giving me my stuff, my blessing, what I want, and frankly, I think we've just become so narcissistic, it's just all about what God can do for me, it's not about, you know, what the Lord is looking to do through us for the benefit of the world, you know, and and saving souls, or, you know, there's, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing about that, so we're kind of emulating the world, you know, so we, we look at the world system and it's really become the church is really, um, doing the same thing and maybe a softer, you know, a less overt way, but, but essentially it's the same thing that's happening.
0: And, so, uh, so, um, I was reading, um, just this morning in the Bible, I was reading, uh, where Jesus is talking about his return and it's, it doesn't sound in tone like anything you just said um, uh, Laura it sounds like it sound it, what he said specifically is those who endure to the end will be saved endure endure what well read all of where well where I was reading um, related to Jesus second coming was in mark thirteen this morning but is also there in Luke chapter 21, Jesus saying the serious nature of unfolding events and the need for endurance, or we might say perseverance, like this is not going to be easy. And I think a lot of people smell this. Like, this smells funny in the church. Like, how come there's there's so many problems? We can just look at that, but we also look at these scriptures, and it's like, how come it seems like the tone is off? So, again, you know, Ooh. some real, really uh, 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 just uh, things that have, have, I think, people— I think that people can just sense something is off. Often, even within the church. So we wanna we wanna shift here in terms of who can we trust. So we've talked a lot about, uh, you know. Things we can't trust. By the way, earlier David, you just mentioned this real briefly about social media, and there's so many obvious lies out there, and and agendas, and people trying to move us a certain way, not based on facts or the Bible or, or true science and the data, um, all these kinds of things. And by the way, there can be fake science and data. So now we've got that whole layer of lies, and our, our trust is undermined. But what you mentioned a moment ago, just briefly, was social media. And I just wanted to mention this article I read. I don't typically read uh, MSN or or Newsweek articles, but this one I happened to see. And it specifically highlighted, this is uh, just May of this year, that half of Joe Biden's uh, Twitter accounts, followers on Twitter, are fake. And it's like... What is that? And then, and then this is all in the context of what happened with Elon Musk, and he's trying to buy Twitter, all this kind of stuff. And then, and and, you know, Elon Musk has has had some pause about buying Twitter because there's so many fake accounts. Then they gave him the data for Elon's own Twitter account 70% of his followers are fake, and he didn't do that. You know, it's like, you know so even the platforms themselves seem to be trying to um you know drum up this this following and enthusiasm and who you should be listening to even they're trying to drum it up in a way that's really more like smoke and mirrors than actual um you know actual actually factual but i do
2: think this is you know they're it is God pushing us back to himself. He says, Hey, we we've trusted in what's easy. We've trusted in men. We've trusted in what's the conventional way of thinking and doing things and not so much trusted a supernatural God that can intervene in our lives. And God is crowding us back to himself and pushing us back on our knees and to get into his word and to connect with one another. Amen. And the truth is, you know, so many of, in the body of Christ are still, even after the pandemic and the last couple of years of shaking, are very um, independent, isolated, don't have a whole lot of people in their life, uh, Don't feel, you know, don't feel like they fit. Um, and so they're, you know, very hurt, already a little suspicious because of challenges in the past. And, you know, it just it it strikes me a little bit odd. Here we are facing uh, maybe for most of us, the most critical hour that we've ever known. And yet to be alienated from the body of Christ is just to add insult to injury. Amen. I mean, if there was ever a time to be well connected and a part of a real family of faith, it's now. Amen. If there was ever a time to be men and women of prayer, men and women who know what the word of God says, it's now. And I do believe, you know, I'm not saying that God is the author of all these crazy things at all. uh, But he certainly knows how to make good use of our current situation and, and call us back to himself, to the basics. Amen. But to be well connected with God's people is so, so important, you know, with so the- so
0: if we're doing life together in a community like you're describing if we're doing life together these are the people that we can trust it's like we're not listening to some somebody just <clears throat> giving their opinion or their narrative on the news or the you know the some screen on our phone or whatever it is. We're not just doing that. We're actually knowing the people. And that's what I'm finding. It's like, if I don't have relationship with somebody, uh, I'm not so sure I'm trusting uh, uh, just these voices out there. And again, we spend a lot of time talking about outside the church and inside the church, whatever, but it's like, I need to know you. I, I need to know that you're willing to sacrifice for the truth, the things that you're talking about. I need to know that you truly care and you're not trying to manipulate me and that you're here to help. Um, so where else will you get that? I don't think I'll ever get that from anybody on TV or social media. Um, I can get some, you know, some information or get some get some input. Yeah. But in terms of an actual trusted relationship, and I, I can't help but to think about the last couple of years like, like you highlighted, David. Um, so like... Uh, when the next pandemic comes, uh, how do we respond to different things? I don't want to listen to all those voices out there. And, and I want to be as bold as to say, I don't even want to listen to Dr. Fauci or his equivalent. Like It's just like I found so much stuff there troubling that I don't believe did line up with the science and the data. So I don't want to listen to these voices. So it's got to be with people that I know personally, that I've done life with. Therefore, I know their character, and I can, and I can trust them. Yeah, And if I could just add, to like this whole vaccine thing has been divisive within the body of Christ. Well, what's going to happen next time uh, with the next pandemic, the next vaccine? Well, can we really know each other and sort it out together? So if we actually know each other, we're not just going to argue about it or fight about it. We're not going to just pick up our toys and go home because we disagree. We're going to stay in our, a long-term relationship where we can sort things out. I mean, that's, that's where I think actually trust is built is when we're mm-hmm. actually in those— um, challenging conversations and topics and yet we come out the other side That's where I think we can find the truth.
1: I was just you know struck because the the, the thing that's really missing is unity like we have no concept I, or little concept of the the value of unity you know for us and unity doesn't mean that we're clones of each other and we agree necessarily necessarily on everything but when you look in acts you know and it talked about them, Um, being together and they were of one mind is, is what it it says in Greek. They were of one mind. So they were of one mind before the Lord. And, And it was amazing to see the power of the Holy spirit be able to manifest so powerfully in that room, in that place where they were all in one accord. And, you know, when you look at that principle on the enemy side, when the Lord had to come down and confound the languages because The word of God says that they were united in one mind for evil and nothing that they imagined they could do would be impossible for them. So think about it on, you know, like for for evil purposes, when, you know, unbelievers come together and they and Satan can manifest his power through, you know, people who are united, who are in unity for the enemy. And and the Lord had to stop that because nothing they imagined that they could do would be impossible for them. What would happen if we actually came together and recognized the benefit um, to the kingdom of us all being in unity and unity transcends agreement? You know, I might like this president, you like that candidate, you know, whatever, but, but we're, we're children of God and we're citizens of the kingdom and we're part of the bride of Christ. And that should be, you know, higher and more important to us than all of this other stuff that is dividing us. You know, Christians are getting into arguments about what they're seeing on TV. Some are for this person, some are against that person, some love Dr. Fauci, some hate Dr. Fauci, and the enemy's tactic of dividing us has been working beautifully, so, um, you know, why can't you know, like, what what would it look like if we just decided that we were going to absolutely um, do what the New Testament believers did and just come in one accord, share our things with one another and really let, you know, God knit us together in love to become one body and one unit effective for him. Amen.
2: I, I really think the way this is, you know, is cultivated is we must first be united to God before we can be united properly to one another. And I think this is where we get a little, it gets a little dicey and challenging for us is, you know, this in the current climate and the situation within the church. I mean, there's just such a desperate need to really connect with this whole second Chronicles seven fourteen value. You know, if, you know, if my people will humble themselves, these are relational skills. If they will admit their faults, admit their problems and be reunited with God, mm-hmm. then all the other things kind of get sorted out. Don't they? I mean, we don't even know where to start with one another if we're not on the same page with God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, in James it tells us that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's those are relational skills. When we humble ourselves, confess our need and get honest, you know, it removes the pride that closes the distance between us and God, but it also works that way when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is where I think as we begin to work on this desperate need to find somebody that we can trust, we have to be very intentional with, we've got to begin to walk on a whole new level of of humility before we can find that unity. You know, we have to uh, quit pretending, quit, you know, faking it till we try to make it. And... Um, and confess our needs, confess confess our faults. Uh, go to one another quickly. Keep a short account about offenses and unforgiveness. And you know, there's so many people I see that have old old wounds that they're carrying around. All this baggage that keep them from connecting well to people in this hour when they know they desperately need them. And so I do think we're going to have to change our priorities. I think I see all kinds of people kind of a little bit on a conference treadmill. You know, they go from one event to another, looking for the next great meeting, the next great spiritual event. And I think we're coming into times where, you know, that that's awesome. It may serve a place. God may use it but we're coming into an hour where we need family, we need community in our local area and we have to buckle down and start being intentional one with another, humble ourselves, confess our faults to one another so we can be united. United with God first and united with one another. And yeah. and man there's some places in forgiveness and being a people that are not offended uh, that a lot of us haven't ever explored and we need to figure it out. And I'm talking about all of us. I mean, um, you know, we, so many have deep uh, family wounds, hurts in their lives from years back and the circumstances right now demand that we finally stop, slow down and figure this out. So we remove all the excuses and barriers between one another. So we can have that unity you're talking about.
1: You know, I think it's, you know, to, to get to that place of healing though, you know, I I mean, you're right. It starts with the individual, because if, if we don't, um, you know, train our minds to think on the word of God, if we don't, if we don't really think about what we're thinking about, if we're just, you know, carried away by every wind of doctrine or, you know, everything that Fox news says, um, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna miss it. And, and, you know, you see people, you see Christians that are having anxiety attacks and, you know, can't sleep at night, they're medicated, you know, they got to go to a counselor and, um You know, but is that what God's called us to is that, you know, if we're really living right with the Lord and he is our God, you know, and our mind is right with God, we're not going to collapse at the sign of bad news. You know, we're going to have that strength, but we have to push our hearts and our minds to Jesus and we got to come higher than what we're hearing, you know, on TV or reading on social media. And we've got to remember that, that the things that we're hearing, we have to take every thought captive and sure. take it to the Lord. It's got to go to God because God's who we can trust. know, <laughs> It's like, yeah, we, yeah. You know, I can't trust my opinion, however smart I think I am. What, what is true. the Lord telling me to do? You know, it's like yeah. he knows. I don't know, you know, because there's deception everywhere. If, if we think that we've got the right, the truth here, like I know and I'm right. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's that pride you're talking about and that arrogance. And it comes through when we're talking to people and we can't be in community if we have to be right. And if the flesh is rising up when I'm having a conversation with somebody and I can feel myself getting angry or or having to jam my opinion, I'm not operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, am I? You know, I mean, so it's like. But but that's how we communicate with one another. And we, we talk at each other. We're not listening. We're not listening to God. And we're not going to be able to stand with what's, you know, coming down the, you know, coming at us pretty hard. So, you know, we've just got to get right with him. We got to control our minds and really get. Focused on things of the spirit and really taking these these things that are happening, these thoughts that we have and taking them captive and asking God, what do we need to do with this? You know, Mm -hmm. is this something that I need to care about? Is this something that I need to react to? Because my normal state of mind, I ought to be serene and tranquil all the time. You know, when my peace is disturbed, I'm stepping out of the will of God and I'm in the flesh. That should be a big red flag. And if I can get there, then I can have a conversation with somebody who genuinely loves this political person that I don't particularly care for. Like, I'm, I'm at a higher plane than that. I'm not getting hooked up into those arguments that, you know, I should be looking at my brother and sister in Christ as somebody that I love more than I can, you know, like if, I, if I'm looking at somebody going, I can't like you because of how you think or I don't want to be around you because you don't agree with me. You know, I'm the one with the problem, you know, at that point, you know, I, I could have the right opinion about things, but, but, but I'm off. And the Lord wants that kind of that level of unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. But for me to get there, I have to take what I think I know what I think is right. And and give that all to God and let him tell me what to think about all of this. Um, and if I don't, if I don't live under the power of the Holy Spirit and out of the word of God, uh, nobody's going to make it through what's, you know, what we're going to see and what we're going to experience.
0: So so just to shift us a little bit. So what do you say to, um, you know, I think all of us and many of the listeners that we've been in small groups and we have participated um, in, uh, in Sunday morning worship services or Saturday evening or whenever they are, but... We have participated in these kinds of things, and yet we never kind of broke through into what I think we're reading about in the scriptures, which are deep, trusted relationships, and we're, we're able to do life together, we're able to walk things out together. Um, like, what do you say to that? Because I, I, as I'm just listening to us discuss this, it sounds like, well, I've already done this, and I don't think I got that deep with people, and I don't know if I'm ready for the shakings that are coming. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, I do think, you know, the the house church cell group movement, whatever you want to call it, you know, there are different variations, you know, um, and they were utilized different by different movements, different churches through the years, especially since the late 80s. Um, But um, some of these things kind of digressed into many versions of what we were doing on Sunday morning. You know, one of the th- things that is so valuable about the smaller group is we we gather together in a circle. We come face to face. There's just this natural vulnerability that's there when we're looking at one another. You know, uh, we can read one another. We get everybody has a, a place to contribute. We, we can hear one another's voice and we have time to do some of the things we never have time to do in some of the more larger organized meetings where we can pray for one another and 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 really tap into God's compassion for one another. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I've seen, we have to understand why these gatherings are significant and what they actually make allowance, what they open our Our hearts up to that maybe some of the other gatherings that we have that are good meetings, teaching um, venues, evangelistic uh, crusades, these have their place. But uh, we need to start focusing on the things that help us connect and also recognize the structures that actually separate us from one another. And there is a lot of stuff in the church that I'll quite honestly, in my opinion, that creates distance between one another. And then there are other venues that actually contribute to us becoming more open-hearted, um, more, more humble, an opportunity to con- confess our faults or our needs or work through these things. And
0: so, so David, uh, David I've, got to to, I've, got to, I've got to interject that, uh, that, some people are in small groups. Let's just say eight people. It could be less, it could be more, but let's just say eight people. Yeah, and there's a small still group. like yeah, and 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 yet they're still not breaking through like there's like i'm sure there's small group leaders listening to this right now so like what do you suggest it's like well we we discuss this bible verse or this question related to this and now we all give the answers we're supposed to give and we're are in small groups and maybe we do pray for each other a little bit at the end or something like that i don't know what to say but it's like there's something holding us back from being in the kind of trusted relationships that are actually necessary and i'm i'm just curious, like, what would you say to that small group leader that's maybe been meeting people with people for years, but in a point of crisis, they're still not going to bind together? Yeah. Those eight, there's eight people are going to be scattered and freaking out. And you know what I'm saying?
2: Right, right. Well, I do think it starts with the leaders of the group. Um, you know, you can't give away what you don't have, you can't lead others where you're not going. And so, if there's not some significant you know, intentionality with an effort to be humble and open and honest and transparent. Um, things are going to be tough regardless of how small the meeting is, how intimate the meeting is. Um, you know, I, and I don't know how it works for every meeting. I don't want, I would hate to pretend that I have all the answers for how every little meeting is supposed to come together. I can only tell you what we do. And that is, you know, what I started to recognize is that we stumbled across a little principle that I saw in the ministry of Jesus. It says that when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. And out of that compassion, then he administered whatever ministry gift was appropriate, whether feeding the the hungry or healing the sick or teaching. So he but he saw the people that were in front of him. And he allowed his heart, he uh, uh, gave himself permission for his heart to go someplace. That actually, by love, then opened up the rest of the minister gifts. You see the exact opposite in the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember that story where there was a Levite and a priest who traveled down a road where a man had been beaten and was laying on the side of the road. And they purposely averted their gaze from what was going on him going on with him. So their heart would not be affected. And they traveled on down the road. Then the good Samaritan comes along. And just like Jesus was activated over and over and over again during throughout the gospels, he saw the man was moved with compassion and then got off of his horse and did something about it. We must gather together in a, a simple way in intimate circles and allow our heart, if we have the Holy Spirit within us as believers, our heart will respond when you allow it to, when you put it in the right posture. Have, this has happened to us over and over again at various times. It can happen at the grocery store, the workplace, or the, or the classroom. I just don't know that we have been as intentional about it, you know, understanding it and cooperating with Well, I'm getting my tongue tied, cooperating with it as much as we should. Amen. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when we gather, we just say, Lord, give us your heart for these people. Uh, and I and you start to recognize that it's just not your emotions that are being stirred, your sympathies that are being awakened. You recognize that God actually, through the Holy Spirit, is giving you a bit of His heart for those people that are in that room. So we take a little bit of time to to do a little interview. How's it going? You know, we don't just teach you know, just quote scriptures at one another. We get a little update and, uh, you know, you got to be careful. There's a balance. You don't want the meeting to get bogged down and, you know, uh, bad news, but at the same time, be honest enough so you can hear people's story and allow your heart to go someplace. I hope that makes a little bit of sense.
0: Yeah. I I think Uh, that's huge. And again, as small group leaders, what we want to do here is we want to um, stop and actually see the people in the room for who they are, what's going on, what what are they struggling with, but what where are where are they at in terms of uh, their emotional tank? Is it full? Is it empty? Like what's going on yeah. here? And actually minister to real needs. Now, if we can do that with each other, and we see God meeting with us and our lives changing, of course that's going to build trusted yeah. relationships. I I think uh, it's so important. Like when I've seen small groups get. Past that that ceiling, we, a glass ceiling, we keep bumping into that I was describing a few minutes ago. I think too that when that person comes forth and we're talking, we're ministering, make sure we're meeting people one on one outside of the actual small group meeting. Let's say it's on a Tuesday night. Make sure that we're actually walking things out together. Uh, I know that's been important as well. Like if if we're going to get to trusted relationships, it requires more than Sunday morning and a Tuesday evening small group you know what it, it's yeah. like w- w- if we're going to walk through some real turbulence ahead and we just have walked through some turbulence these are the kinds of things that that have to happen now so that we're in the trusted relationships when when these things happen and um, Laura, I know you've been waiting to say something <laughs> it's well, no, to- I
1: just totally like couldn't agree with you know everything that you guys are saying more and david the compassion could you have to have it you, you just have to genuinely care because your material your your teaching could be fabulous and you know you could have just the greatest stuff but it it's not gonna matter you know people don't um care what you know until they know you care you know that old that old expression but it's it's so true i i think for me you know. I've I've also benefited by giving the Holy spirit room. So, you know, it's not my agenda of the points that we have to cover tonight. You know, I'll have material, I'll have a lesson I'll have, you know, uh, I'll have prayed about it and and had a sense that this is the direction that we're going to be going in. But I'll also, you know, do my best to lift up each person before, you know, the, um, you know, the meeting and make sure that, you know, I'm trying to hear the Lord for them but when we come together, it's not my agenda. You know, it's, it's what the, what's the Holy Spirit want to do here? More times than not, we're going to go off in directions that I didn't anticipate. We'll come to the end you know, you know of where I thought he wanted to go, or sometimes we'll be surprised and do something different. But, you, but when we actually step back and realize it's not my group, you know, it's the Lord's group. And, what, and I'm, I'm a participant, too. You know, I, I may be the designated leader, but I'm I'm a participant in the group, and I'm going to get just as blessed as everybody else is, if I let the Holy Spirit run the group. I don't have yeah. to. I'm, I'm facilitating it. I'm not in charge or a lead. Sometimes we take our title a little too seriously, yeah. and um, you know, we hold ourselves apart from the people that we're supposed to be in a in a circle with, and in a community with. But I think that's, um, you know, whether it's a church service or a small group. Yeah, it's sad to me that we don't let the Holy spirit have room. You know, we're too busy yeah. with, you know, what time is it, or, you know, it's announcement time or it's, it's time to take the collection or like whatever it is, like you, you can't, you know, how, how awesome it would be if people came into a, an experience of being in a group or in church and really experience the power of the living God, like really came out of there, absolutely changed. So we're not coming back every week talking about these problems that we've been carrying for 20 years, you know, we're delivered, we're transformed, we're, we're able to move on. And, and we're able to begin to focus on something beyond ourselves, you know, like, you know, like the, the, the work of the kingdom, like, how awesome is that to realize you're part of something bigger than you?
2: Yeah, so Yeah, I think, you know, what you're saying, Laura, is exactly right. I mean, a mistake that I see over and over again with small groups is they've just become mini versions of what we did on Sunday. And we actually, when you approach a small group, it actually gives you permission to do some things you never get around to doing on Sunday. So to allow the gifts of the spirit to work a little bit more freely is, you know, we don't apologize that this is the time to do that, to pray over one another, to share words of encouragement, to, you know, maybe have a, a word of knowledge or insight that one person shares with another as we're hearing one another's stories, you know? Uh, and boy, I tell you, if we can't find a heart of compassion, in in the hour that we're living now, especially after what we've been through the last couple of years, there's something wrong. There is really something wrong. This shouldn't be hard. There's so many people going through difficult things and there have been a lot of people that have lost loved ones and, and faced all kinds right now, facing all kinds of challenges, economic, financial, unemployment issues. But um, you know, so it should be easy for us to tap into God's heart and sympathize with the needs of one another. But we're going to have to, you know, you have to give the Holy Spirit permission to work through you and stretch you and teach you. And this is exciting stuff. I mean, we actually what we how we approach this is after there's a little rhythm established and a core group of people get used to functioning this way in one of the small meetings, house meetings, we encourage them. Now, when you're at the grocery store, when you're in at work, take time, slow down to recognize that person that's right in front of you and see if God doesn't awaken your heart of compassion for some circumstances they're going through and minister into that. So, um, It's ironic to me that so many pastors will, you know, beat this, you know, evangelistic drum, get out there and share your witness and testimony for Christ, but give the people no time to practice using their their gifts and testimony within the context of some kind of smaller, more intimate gathering. And this is the place we should get used to doing this. So we can actually step out there more when we're out there and, you know, on the job, school, work—you know, wherever. So, um, isn't
1: it cool when you start to see them? you know, praying for each other and hearing from God, you know, and, and it's just, it's just so amazing to watch the Holy spirit move. in Amen.
2: Amen.
1: And then it, and then they come back and they've got testimonies. They went out and they talked to somebody in the grocery store and, you know, and they had this cool experience and it, it just lifts everybody's faith. And, and that's the kind of thing that takes everybody to another level is they see God really move or they see prayers answered. Um, you know, for their family, it's it's just the most just the, the most amazing thing, and oh, um, yeah. I just love it. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful that that, you know, in the time that we're going through now, people are going to look for what's real and they're going to rapidly turn away from what's not working, what's fake, what's hollow. And, right. um, you know, they're absolutely looking for, you know, God to be real to them. And and we 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 know that God, we, we know him and we, you know, we we definitely have to keep the church in prayer and the people that are, um, you know, really seeking him will, the, the, the people that are truly seeking him will find him, you know, find a living God.
2: Yeah. Like Dave's saying, now's the time to do it. I mean, I actually feel this season we're in right now is actually a little bit a space of grace where we can get a little more comfortable with functioning this way because we're really going to need to learn, know how to function this way in the days ahead. Mm-hmm. And so, we need to get busy reprioritize where we're really investing our time and energy, learn how to do this. Um, there's grace to learn how to do it well right now. And, um, you know, do you have a small group available to you? Get involved. If you don't have one, start one in your own home. You know, I, because I really believe in the days in which we're going, is going to crowd us back to our homes anyway it's going to force us to one level or another to be a bit of an underground church.
0: Mm-hmm. We need to begin to conclude here, uh, and <laughs> I, I want to throw something out here as we as we close. Um, but before we, we move past this moment, I just want to say what you have both shared is just really helpful and valuable. And David, what you said earlier about we're so isolated, like this is the remedy for that. Yeah. Let's not be isolated. And when we're in community, we're going to discern things better. We're going to be able to discuss every issue, any issue, and find out everybody's opinions and be able to circle up on like, golly, what is the Holy Spirit saying here? And, you know, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. And we need to find the truth when so much is undermining the truth, as we talked about at the outset here, to be in these trusted relationships so we can really trust each other. I think this is a— a very, uh, it's just vital, this message in terms of are we in trust relationships? Because it's going to be so hard to go it alone in the future. We maybe have gotten by up to this point, but in the future, we've got to have these communities and help. And I believe there's even going to be an element of meeting physical needs for each other.
2: for sure. For sure, Dave. That's where we will be sharing our, our lives, our resources, our you know, we'll be helping one another, but if we're not connected on the deeper level, it's going to be really challenging. I just want to add one more thing here. And that is that we are going through a wineskin change um, to one degree or another, and we're learning how to do it on a much more intimate level where we can tell the, speak the truth one to another, you know, as the scripture says, don't lie to one another, speak the truth. And that's because we're walking with one another. The scripture actually exhorts us to do this because we are part of one another. We don't want to deceive ourselves. We don't want to deceive one another, but um, the very structure itself brings healing to so many. So many have been estranged from the church, hurt by the church, um, never fit in the church. And we're about to come into a time of pressure and challenge and tribulation i think we have never seen in this nation before our generation has never known and to be this is the worst time in the world to be alienated from the family of god and so we desperately need to it may not be our preference but we need to restructure the wineskin of the church a little bit to become much more intimate much more honest much more truthful so we can Let go of our offenses, walk in love and forgive one another. It will actually the structure itself, more than anything else I know right now, can really stir up healing. So we'll be in a better place and better prepared for what's coming ahead. Amen. So, Does that make sense? Right.
0: So, so less platform driven. Um, another way might be to say no. less pro, program driven, but more relationally driven. More um, yeah. ministering to one another uh, in small or groups, or even one just, one or just, even just one on one, but ministering to one another, yeah. driven by these things. Again, not not neglecting uh, the clear. Uh, commands of Scripture and the the principles of Scripture, not neglecting any of that, but we're seeing the wineskin shifts. Okay, so we we need to wrap this up, uh, but one last question. I'm sorry. That's fine. What we we want to do, though, is um, we're talking about here, who can you trust? And I think what we're saying here, you trust those that you're in relationship with, those that have stood with you over the over time, stood the test of time. And we're talking about people that we really know them, and they really know us. We might not agree on everything, but we love each other. We've traveled through some storms, some victories together. And these are the people that we are relying upon because we have found them to be trustworthy. Okay, all that, amen. Uh, We want that. But also, um, I want you to comment just about the importance of we trust God in these days. Now, I think that's obvious for everybody, but I don't want to end this podcast like who can you trust? We're not going to end this podcast without talking about God Himself. And then the other thing is uh, is God's Word, the written Word, the Bible. Like like these things are huge. And I think what what um, I just I'm 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 sensing is as we're walking this out is if you've got. Trust in God, trust in the written word, the scriptures, and you've got trust in this community, this small group of people that are you're really traveling together, doing life together, etc. That that's these three together, that is what's required in the days ahead. But I want both of you just to share from your hearts about um, you know, trusting God in this hour as well as as well as knowing the scriptures.
1: Yeah. Our only hope is in Jesus. It's not in man, you know, it's not in even the people that we're in community with. Our first and foremost, our responsibility is to really be right, to be standing on the word of God, to know the word of God, to think about what we're thinking about, to discipline our minds, to to take every thought captive. You know, if in Galatians 2.20, it says, you know no no longer do i live but christ liveth in me and the life i live is not my own if i take that to, if i really stand on that word then i don't think take things personally anymore i don't get offended i'm not going to have panic attacks i'm not as the as the foundations of this economy or this country crumble you know my hope is in jesus He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. And when I know that now I have something to be able to, to help other people with now, I now I'm steady, I'm strong. I'm, I'm, I'm solid in him. And so I think that, that, that we've got to stop, you know, letting our minds run amok with all the things that we're taking in we're going to be overwhelmed and we're just going to, we're going to be sucked under with all this negativity. So we've just got to push our minds and our hearts to Jesus. So, so you're
0: say, you're saying this, but I just want to make sure that we pause here and we're really getting it, is that if we're not taking in all this other stuff, we are taking in the voice of God through the Scriptures. We're, we're understanding Him, His heart. What is God like? That will stop panic attacks, if we understand what he's truly like and we're connected to him. You know, it's, uh, you know we often quote Philippians 4, 6, and 7 about pe- the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And I, But I feel like in the church in America, it's like, yeah, it, it transcends all understanding unless there's a pandemic, or unless uh, unless I lose my job, or unless something happens. It's, no, no, no. It's the peace of God that transcends all understanding in the worst circumstances and, and these kinds of things and, and, and the greater, I believe, both national and global shakings that are ahead uh, that we need to have that peace, as well as we didn't talk about overcomers, but we're called to be overcomers as well. It's all rooted right there. And so David, David, can you give us a final word?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with Laura. You know, we have to be doing it the same way we've been doing it for so many years when there's been less pressure. Is not going to cut it. I mean, I I think everybody's saying this, but the the amount of time that we take with one another, the the kind of uh, collective uh, community that we already described, you can't do that in an hour and a half. It t- you got to slow down. We have to relearn how to wait on God. And one of the ways we wait on God, learn trust in the Lord, is by trusting Him to work through the body of Christ. Amen. But um, we need to learn how to take more time spend more time in the quiet place in the secret place amen he who dwells in the secret place who he, he who waits and tarries and dwells camps in the secret place abides under the shadow of the almighty is underneath the wings of God's love. Amen. You, mm-hmm. you it, it just transports you there and does some things to your faith and heart to trust God. Like never before we have to take the appropriate time for our heart and our faith are thinking to catch up with the pot- potency of God's promises. Hmm. You know, um, you know, if you want a, str- a stronger cup of tea, you let the tea bag, bag yeah. soak a little longer, right? If we're not getting the result we need, we need to spend more time. Same with God's word. An extension of this waiting on God is, man, I don't know that there's ever been a time in my life where I've spent more time in the scriptures just camping reading it again. And again, if I don't feel like I got it, if there's something there that's still waiting to, to, for me to claim, to stand on, I need to take more time. We have to reprioritize our life to trust God more, to learn to trust the Lord. And it comes through the word, comes through prayer, comes through the body of Christ. These are the means of grace, amen, that God has established mm-hmm. to, for us to connect with him on. And right and it's well, certainly all about faith becoming men and women of faith you know when the lord returns will he find this kind of faith amen so and if
0: we're with each other i think there's going to be much greater faith yes, and we'll find that yes, faith yes. maybe we can just summarize here that you know wait on god but in light of the first uh Portion of this podcast, really, I mean, most of the podcast, is we also need to wait on each other. Wait for each other, wait on each other, meaning we right. minister to That's each other. Right. But first and foremost, wait on God as, uh, and internalizing those truths in His presence, what you both were just talking about. So, Thank you, David, and thank you, Laura. It's great to have you here again, and thank you for, for joining us uh, here on Insights. Remember to like, subscribe, comment. Uh, if this has been helpful, forward it to other people um, to get the fresh manna out there. We look forward to being with you next time on Insights.